0: Hey, and welcome to episode four of Samsplaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host, I'll be Samsplaining the Science. Today we're talking about the science behind sad season. Let's get to it. Hey, how are ya? I hope you're doing all right, I hope you're well. Today's episode is about sad season, sad being SAD, SAD being seasonal affective disorder. You might have heard SAD, you might have heard of something called seasonal depression. If you're living in the Northern Hemisphere right now, you or someone you know might be experiencing it. Um, I've heard a little bit about it, but I've always wanted to learn more. And how do we learn? We ask questions. So let's get into our questions to ask for today. So today we're addressing one general question, which is what is seasonal affective disorder? But I broke that down into four sub questions to help us get a better idea of it and sort of organize how we're learning about it. Um, So the first question is, how is SAD diagnosed slash what are the symptoms of SAD. The second question is who is affected by SAD? The third question is what's going on biologically in SAD? And the fourth question is how is it treated or managed? All right, so let's jump into it. What is seasonal affective disorder? To answer these questions, I'm referencing the review article by Dr. Sherry Melrose. Um, This article does a really great job of outlining SAD, uh, and as always, the source is linked in the episode description. Okay, let's start with symptoms and diagnosis. So, SAD is its own disorder based on the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM-5. So the DSM-5 is basically a book which outlines different mental and mood disorders and how to diagnose them. And this book says that SAD occurs if you fit the criteria for depression only during a specific season every year. And then the rest of the year you have full remittance. So you do not have depression for any time outside of the specific season. And most frequently This seasonal pattern of depression happens in the winter when we have less sunlight, but it can also happen in the summertime too. So some of the symptoms that are associated with SAD include, I'm just going to list them off, um, sadness, irritability, frequent crying, lack of energy, feeling tired, decreased activity, withdrawal from social situations, having difficulty concentrating, sleeping more than normal, craving carbohydrates and sugars, and overeating. And these symptoms can be mild to severe. In severe cases, people's symptoms can seriously interfere with their everyday lives, with their productivity, with their connection to their community, with their personal health, And this can be just as severe as someone who has major depressive disorder or MDD, which is more commonly known as clinical depression. There are more mild experiences of SAD as well, and these are classified as subdromal SAD or SSAD. And these occur when the symptoms aren't as extreme, uh, and they don't drastically affect your day-to-day life. So think more like winter blues, or like you're just sort of in a little funk. So that's sort of the basic diagnosis symptoms of SAD. So let's move on to the prevalence. Who is this affecting? This is sort of difficult to say for sure because SAD can go unreported, and then if it's unreported, it's underdiagnosed. Um, But the review article says that SAD affects people at higher latitudes more frequently than lower latitudes. So, in other words, the further away you live from the equator, the more likely you are to be affected by SAD. Um, The statistic in the paper was 1% of people who live in Florida experience SAD, while 9% of people who live in Alaska experience SAD. So it's just more common in places where uh, they're more affected by changes in sunlight throughout the seasons. In Canada, where the author of the publication works, up to 15% of the population experiences subdromal SAD or the winter blues, while two to 6% experience severe SAD. It's also been shown that women experience SAD at rates four times higher than men Um, but also remember that SAD can go underreported, and I think typically men are more likely to not report um, mood disorders, uh, and especially depression, um, because of stigma and all awful things in our society. Um, So I'm not sure if that statistic is totally fair, but of the reported cases of SAD. Women experience it four times higher than men. Um, In addition, the age of onset of SAD is between 18 and 30, of which I am perfectly right smack dab in the middle. I'm certainly not about to fall out of the top of that. (laughs) Okay, but yeah. You know, just day-to-day, you have reminders of just your own aging. I know aging is a blessing, but sometimes it's like, damn, am I really that close to 30? Anyway, um, no offense if you're 30. Maybe I should cut this out. Okay, anyway, (laughs) the point of this section is to say that SAD can really affect anybody, but more so in regions that are more greatly affected by seasonal light changes. So now that we know the prevalence and who it's affecting, let's get into the biology. What's going on in our bodies when we have SAD? And you know, the biology always gets me hyped. I love the biology. So apologies in advance if I get too excited. Um, I just can't help it. So first, let's talk about serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter, which means that it's a chemical that your brain cells, your neurons, release in order to send signals to surrounding cells. Serotonin's uh, been suggested to play a role in balancing mood because many studies have shown that it's implicated in depression and other mood disorders. So let's say you have a brain cell, a neuron. You have many, but we'll just look at one for now. Your neuron, we're going to call this cell A, it spits out serotonin. The serotonin travels a little bit across the space between cell A and the next neuron, which we're going to call cell B. And that space is called a synapse. So the serotonin Travels across the synapse and knocks on cell B's door. When it knocks on cell B, it causes a cascade of nerve signals to run through cell B. And that continues the nerve impulse, the nerve signal through cell B. And then when that impulse gets to the end of cell B, cell B releases serotonin to its neighbor, cell C and so on and so on. So it's sort of like cyclical like that. So now let's go back to the first neuron that released serotonin, cell A. So on that cell, there's something called the serotonin transporter, or CERT. I'm going to call it CERT, S-E-R-T. CERT's job is to suck up all of the leftover serotonin that, the cell just spit out and suck it up back into cell a so that there's nothing left in the synapse nothing in between the, the two cells it effectively makes sure that once serotonin knocks on cell b's door the extra serotonin gets picked up so that the serotonin signal isn't banging down cell b's door you know it's sort of like a ding-dong-ditch situation, if you think about it. But basically, it's a way to make sure that we're not overstimulating our neurons. But studies have shown that people with SAD have 5% more CERT during winter months than in the summertime. So remember, like, SERT's job is to get rid of serotonin in the, in the synapse, right? So if there's too much CERT, there's going to be less serotonin in the synapse, which means that serotonin can't do its job, which, again, is to regulate mood. So more CERT means less serotonin in the synapse, which means less serotonin signaling, which means serotonin isn't doing its job. And that leads to poor mood regulation, which contributes to our crappy moods, our irritability, our sadness, etc. So that's serotonin. Another biological thing that's happening in SAD is uh, let's talk about melatonin. You might have heard of melatonin too. You or someone you know might have taken melatonin supplements that might help you sleep better. Melatonin is a hormone, and its production, production, production. If you're stupid, but production. If you know how to speak. Its production responds to light-dark cycles. So in the wintertime, when the nights get longer, there's more darkness, melatonin production increases. And studies have shown that people who have SAD might overproduce melatonin to begin with, which might contribute to the additional sleepiness, tired, low-energy symptoms that SAD patients experience. Next, we have vitamin D. So you might have heard, like, going outside and getting natural sunlight is important to get your vitamin D. But we actually don't get vitamin D from the sun, per se. Actually, what happens is sunlight jumpstarts our bodies to produce vitamin D. mm. No, I don't think produce is the right word, actually. I think it's more like the sunlight... Activates vitamin D in our body and it makes it more useful to us. We're able to absorb it or use it better, more efficiently. So in the wintertime, when we have less sun exposure for a number of reasons, one, because there's less hours of light in the day and two, because it's freaking cold outside and we spend more time inside to avoid the cold. (laughs) But yeah, when we have less sun exposure, we potentially have less usable vitamin D in our body. And some studies have suggested that vitamin D can play a role in serotonin cycles and activity. So if we have less vitamin D, that might mean, uh, that might be contributing to irregularities in the serotonin system, which can contribute to our winter blues feelings. So that's another hypothesis. That's uh, part of the biology of SAD. One last thing to pull all of this biology of SAD together is circadian rhythms. You might remember we talked about this briefly during our episode about sleep. Um, if you haven't listened yet, don't worry, we'll talk about it again now. Um, <laughs> our circadian rhythm is our body's internal clock. It regulates our sleep-wake cycles. It regulates our hunger cycles. Um those are the two things that I remember because those are the two things that are most important to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's also this, the circadian rhythm is very responsive to light-dark cycles each day. Um, and it can also typically adjust for the seasons too. Given that the amount of light versus dark changes throughout the year, the, uh, the circadian rhythms can adjust for those changes. People with SAD have more difficulty adjusting to these changes, though, because the circadian signal that's responsible for the adjustment, the change, the timing is different um, for whatever reason. So it's more difficult for them to adjust to those changes, and that can contribute to an irregular circadian rhythm, which can contribute to overall feeling tired and poor moods and SAD. So now that we know some of the underlying biology, now we can ask how can we try to manage or treat SAD. So let's kind of go in the order that we talked about the biology. Um, First, let's talk about serotonin. So remember, we have this issue of low serotonin in people who have SAD, right? They have higher amounts of CERT or that serotonin transporter. And that means that they have less serotonin available for serotonin signaling in the brain because the cert sucks all the serotonin back up and it doesn't let it knock on the door of the neighbor. So there are medications called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs for short. And when someone who has SAD um, and is also used to treat depression as well... um, When someone takes an SSRI, the SSRI goes to the CERT, goes to the serotonin transporter, and it inhibits it. It stops it from reuptaking serotonin back into the cell. And since it can't reuptake the serotonin into the cell, that means that there's more serotonin in the synapse outside the cell, in the space between the cells. So serotonin can knock on cell B's door more often and do its job and help regulate our mood. So some studies have shown that SSRIs can really help people with severe SAD, really targeting that serotonin system in their brain in order to improve their mood and their symptoms. Um, However, these medications are not perfect. I'm sure if if you've seen a commercial for Prozac or another SSRI, Um, they list lots and lots of side effects. Um, So patients with SAD work with their doctors to make sure that SSRI is like a proper and safe treatment protocol for them. But that's one way to treat SAD. Another way to manage or treat SAD is light therapy. So we talked about how less sunlight can lead to issues with overproduction of melatonin, with... um, and it can lead to issues with underutilization of vitamin D and it just overall like messes up your circadian rhythm. So how can we fix this? How can we account for less sunlight that we experience in certain months and certain times of the year? One option and this is just, you know, an idea. You know, I'm just I'm just spitballing here, but one option would be to hemisphere hop every equinox. That's a concept, right? Like on the fall equinox, we hop a plane to the Southern hemisphere, right? And then on the spring equinox, we hop a plane back up to the Northern hemisphere, the hemisphere hop. That way we never have to go with more darkness than light in a day. The hemisphere hop. I wonder if anyone trademarked that. I should, dibs, it's mine. It's my idea. You heard it here first. (laughs) But in case hemisphere hopping is not your cup of tea, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but let's just say it's not. Um, Another option to address the issue with less sunlight in a day uh, is using a light box. A light box is like an artificial sun. It emits full spectrum light like sunlight my radiator is throwing a fit. What else is new? I should time it out and then make sure that I don't record when when she has a, a bitch fit. But anyway, okay. So light boxes emit full spectrum light just like sunlight does. So every morning um, for someone with SAD, they can sit in front of a light box to try to regulate um, the light-dark cycles right, and kind of make up for the sunlight that they're not getting um, in the winter when I read this in the review article when I read this section um, all I pictured was that episode of Broad City where Alana's like addicted to her light box if you haven't watched it go. I love that show uh, highly recommend <laughs> But yeah, light boxes are a good artificial way to make up for the lack of sunlight that we get in the winter time. Another treatment or way to manage SAD is vitamin D supplements. So vitamin D supplements can also be used to make up for the lack of sun exposure during the winter months. So remember, sunlight helps us better utilize SAD Sunlight helps us better utilize vitamin D. There we go. (laughs) Too many acronyms, too many, like, uh, too many thoughts in my head. (laughs) So if someone with SAD has insufficient or low vitamin D levels, uh, which you can check with a blood test, vitamin D supplements might help them prevent the symptoms of depression that come with SAD. Um, So that's another way to manage uh, or treat SAD. So the final uh, treatment option that's listed in the review article is counseling. And specifically, she mentions cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, In cognitive behavioral therapy, a person will talk to a professional or to a group of people who all have sort of the same... Problem, whatever that problem is. And the goal of cognitive behavioral therapy is to reframe the way of thinking about the problem in order to overcome and solve that problem, whatever that might be. And actually, one study cited within the review found that those with SAD who went to group therapy for 90 minutes twice a week had similar... um, results and improvement in symptoms as people who use 30 minutes of light therapy in the morning, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Cause like both physically with the light therapy and like mentally, emotionally with the cognitive behavioral therapy, there are ways to manage SAD and both can be really effective in impacting the way that we feel. So it's like the physical, the mental, it all matters. It all helps plus just therapy in general is pretty cool. So, so yeah, that's the summary. Uh, (laughs) I really hate like when you're finishing a presentation or something and you go, so yeah, that's it. (laughs) It's so anticlimactic and I just caught myself doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to say other than, so yeah, so that's the summary of SAD. Um, We learned about what SAD is, we learned about who is affected by it, Um, we talked a little bit about the underlying biology of SAD, uh, and also some ways to manage or treat it. Um, My final point for today's episode is a very important one. If you are struggling with depression, please know that you are not alone. Below, I pasted some resources in the description of the episode in case you or someone you know may need help with your depression. Um, I know depression is like a very sensitive and sometimes uncomfortable topic to talk about, but it is such an important one to talk about. Um, So I hope this episode today sort of gave it some perspective and um encouraged you to talk about it if it's something that you or someone that you know struggles with um but yeah if you're listening to this I love you I'm here for you if you need someone to talk to you can reach out to me um and I will lend an ear or I don't know what am i good for sharing dumb tiktoks that i find anything that i can do to help i will do um but yeah brighter days are ahead i know they don't always feel like they're ahead but they are i promise <sighs> all right well that's all for this week sorry this week was a shorter episode I had a plan to like dive into an actual research study after I summarized SAD, but then I didn't have the time to read and summarize said research study. Um, So that didn't get done. Sorry. My to-do list is longer than a freaking... Nothing. I've got nothing. That's how damn long the list is. It's it's, It's... longer than anything in the world. There's nothing in the world that's longer than my to-do list. (laughs) Not actually, but it it feels like that some days. (laughs) Anyways, um, this is the part of the show where I obnoxiously say, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, and follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at SamSplainingSci.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.